Well, hello, everyone. Uh, my na- as Rich said, my name is Matt. I'm the youth pastor here, and I'm so excited to share God's word with you this morning. Um, it's been a really crazy but really good week. Um, last weekend, Jess was the wedding coordinator for some dear friends that their kids were getting married, and so we've been just running like crazy the last couple weeks. And this weekend, we had a parade float, and I'm not going to talk about it now. I have a bunch of pictures to show you at the end of the message, uh, but I did find out like 10 minutes ago, uh, we got first place, best float. So, yeah, that was really exciting. So, um, I was pumped. Yesterday, we were driving around for wherever the award ceremony was, and everyone at Sunset Fest was like, I don't think we're having one. We were like, oh, it's on the calendar. And so, yeah, so it was good news this morning. So, um, but let me open up with a word of prayer. Uh, dear Father, we thank you for this day. Uh, Father, we thank you for your spirit and for just the way that you reveal yourself to us through it. And I pray as I speak this morning that how you've been revealing yourself to me this week would just flow forth from my words, that it would be you speaking from me and that your spirit would be at work in all the hearts in here and that you would just be showing people more and more about you and revealing yourself more and more. I thank you that you've given us this helper, this friend that we have, and I I pray for just our words today that uh, they would just help us grow closer and closer with you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So, the first job I had when I was 16 was I was a cashier at Super Target. Um, And... uh, If you've ever been to Super Target, this was like a decade and a half ago. So this was like 2002. Um, I feel old when I say that. But um, when you work at Super Target, they ask you to do two things. Um, They ask you to be moderately fast, you know, ringing people up. And they ask you to ask everyone you talk to to get that credit card they have. I think it's like a red card now, but it used to be a Target Visa Um, When I started working there, um, I was terrible at both of those things. Um, And and you laugh, but I I have a picture for you. If you ever go to Target and look at the cashier screen, that's what you see. And you see I've got a laser pointer, so you see that G there. Um, The G means good. Um, And every time you do a purchase from the first item that you scan across the barcode reader until you give them their receipt, you're being timed. And based on the number of items you have and based on their payment method, you're, you're given either a G if it's good or an R if it's bad, um, like green and red, like green light, red light. But um, when I first started, um, I got more R's than G's. And I had a manager early on that was like, I think that's hard to do, Matt. Um, but I would, I would forget to hit total or I'd forget to the person would put their credit card through and I'd stand there and... And eventually they'd be like, do you need to push something? And I'd go, oh, yeah. And uh, so my first my first month at Super Target, um, my score um, at the end of the month, you're given like an average score. My score was like below 50 percent. So it was like I was failing really bad. Um, And my manager is like, that's okay. Keep asking people for Target visas. Keep just working on it. You'll get faster as you go. It takes time. And uh, so I started really focusing on speed. And I, I don't mean to brag, but, but I went from my first month being the slowest to by my third month, I got a $5 gift card because I was the fastest cashier in the store. Thank you. Thank you. I will be signing autographs afterwards. Um, but, but what happened was I started to come up with all these little tricks. And 
I, I started to really focus on, all right, what can I do? And, and the biggest one, um, and teenagers, I'm glad you're in here today. Um, you maybe have never heard of a check. Um, but a check is a little thing that your parents would write on for money. Um, and it's you probably will never have to deal with it. And I think that's okay. But at Target, whenever someone is going to write a check, it, it, it was like an automatic R. And so I figured out this thing that I could do where um, I would be ringing someone up. I'd be ringing them up. And then if I saw they were going to write a check, um, instead of bagging it, I'd stick it all on the far side and kind of line it all up. And then while they were writing in the total, I'd delete the transaction and I'd start over and I'd re-ring everything up real quick. So by the time they wrote out the check, I'd have everything bagged up for them and I'd get a G. And so when my 90-day review came, uh, I was so proud of this. Uh, when my 90-day review came, my manager said, wow, you've really improved your speed. Have you been asking people about Target visas? And I was like, well, and so I, I, I kind of just ignored that question, uh, and I kept working on speed. Um, I did this really cool thing. I'm, I'm really proud of this. I was, so I worked there like another year and a half, and I started to come up with these little tricks where as it came down the conveyor belt, um, if I could see, like, it, okay, it's about 20 items, I wouldn't scan any of them, and I'd put them all on the far side, and I'd line them up just really quick. No one noticed this, but I'd line them up so the barcodes were all facing me. And so then I'd pull out the little gun thing, and I'd go bam, 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 and I, I'd scan everything. Um, and I got to the point, I had a month where I only had Gs. Um, I was getting these $5 gift cards left and right. I was, I was so stinking fast. Um, and the thing, the thing was, and as I, as I tell you about this, I was so proud of that. Um, but there's this reality that I was a really bad employee. Um, because Target did not really care about, wow, Matt, you're so fast. Target was like, hey, can you work on these Target visas? Every time I talked to a manager, you had like these couple month checkups. They'd say, are you asking people about that? And I'd kind of, I'm going really fast. I, I, I just, I was so focused on the wrong thing. And I decided that that's what was important, that I was ignoring what I was being asked to do and what I was being employed for. And so today, as we talk about the Holy Spirit, and as we talk about, as we close out our series, Dan's been telling us a whole lot about the Holy Spirit. Um, I want to talk about a mindset for the Spirit to work. Because when I was working at Target, I, not that Target is like the church, but when I was working there, they were asking me for clear things. And I was deciding, you know what, you're asking this of me, but you know what, I want to do what's important to me. I want to, I want to go after the speed. And I, I have to tell you all that if I would have been getting Target visas, like every two or three Target visas you get, you get a $5 gift card. So I could have been making more money doing that. I just feel like I have to mention that. But all I cared about was what I wanted to do. And so today, as we talk about a mindset for the spirit to work, we're going to talk about how should we be thinking? How should we avoid defining for ourselves what's best, but how can we be working on what God's word said is, says is best? And we're going to be looking at the book of First Thessalonians. We're going to fly through a big chunk of the book. Um, I, in, when the students meet back there, one of the things we talk about is how the scripture was meant to be heard in larger chunks. And this letter that Paul wrote, it, the letter ends with him saying, I challenge you to read this in front of all the churches. Most of the congregation members would not have had one of these back then, they would have heard it all at once. And so as Paul is laying out this letter, he's building a case for a mindset for the spirit to work. Um, so we're going to talk about first the structure of First Thessalonians as we talk about this. And you might wonder as we're talking, Matt, 
where's the Holy Spirit in all of this? And, and we're going to get to it by the end. There's going to be little bits. And by the end, you're going to see this mindset for the Spirit to work. Um, but, but to start, we need to just talk about the Thessalonian church. Um, so this was a church that you can see it. I think it's in Acts 17 where Paul, he visits with um, two other workers and, or a few other workers and they go in. And they start working in this church, and they start introducing people to the gospel, and the people respond in power. And they respond very well, and Paul's very excited. And then all of a sudden, heavy persecution starts to the point of Paul, Silas, and Timothy, they have to leave. Uh, and so they're no longer able to stay, but they're, they're forced out. And so before they're able to really finish or feel good that they finish their work, they're forced to leave. And so when Paul's writing this letter, he's writing to a church that he wishes he could have had a lot more time with. Um, but he begins with a greeting, and, you know, that's pretty customary. And then there's an introduction. And in this introduction that Paul gives, uh, he, he's so thankful for this church. And the reason he's thankful, we'll see in a minute. But, but Paul, in all the letters, there's always like a starting, like, we're so thankful for you. We remember you in our prayers. We do this. And this letter's no different. Um, but in this letter, Paul is so thankful because this church has stood strong. Even though Paul was not there very long, this church has followed his commands. They've imitated well what Paul and his fellow workers have shown them. And so the th- Paul isn't writing this letter because this church is going through a chaotic time. He hasn't heard a report of sinful issues that they're taking on. What, what Paul has heard is a great report. And so Paul spends the next chunk of the letter, chapters 2 and 3, he talks about just re- he just remembers their ministry and he says when we were among you we worked with our hands and we showed you the gospel we were we were like parents and you were our children and we showed you and now paul's saying you've grown and paul keeps talking about we wanted to come visit you but we couldn't we we wanted to come see you but we couldn't that satan kept us and so eventually paul says we sent timothy to you and now he's returned with an amazing report and, and the, the church, what, what Paul hears from Timothy is that the church is doing everything they asked of him and they're doing it very well. And so this sets a weird stage because in most of Paul's letters, at this point, Paul would say, all right, we remember all the good things, but now here's this thing you need to work on. But this letter doesn't have that. Instead, this letter goes into a prayer that's kind of a pivot. Um, Paul, at this point, has not offered them any commands. He's just remembered and given them kind of a outline of their past ministry and he's very excited and he loves them and he's so thankful to the lord for how they've been and then paul offers this prayer where he says first lord let us go to them and then he says and let them become more and more complete let them learn all this more and more and let them grow there's a growth and a becoming and a knowledge and so paul does this prayer and he's saying or as he's praying it he's setting their minds up for what we're about to look at um this prayer points you towards the growth that they need to have, despite the fact that they're doing things very well. And so then we have the exhortation or encouragement, which is where we're going to spend our time today. And then there's a closing. But this, again, this letter is a very unique letter because Paul's not writing it out of, hey, there's a problem. Paul's writing it to a people that are doing just about everything well that they can be doing. They're following after Paul's commands in a way that just makes him thankful. And he wants to write them to encourage them to grow. So if you're someone here right now and you're, you've been in your faith a long time and you're, you feel like, all right, I get this Christianity thing pretty well. I serve here. I, I, I'm in a Bible study. I'm very connected. I do my devotions every day. This message is for you. If you're someone who you're here and you're like, well, I, I don't really know where I'm at with this. I, you know, I'm, I'm learning. I'm struggling. Um, this message is for you as well because 
This message shows what Paul wants Christians to aspire to be and really the mindset he wants us to aspire to have. And so in chapter 4, Paul begins, he goes from remembrance in his prayer and now he begins the exhortation. He begins giving instruction. And he says, Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. So the first thing Paul says to them is he says, you're already doing this. So as I talk to you, what I'm asking you to do is to do this more and more. Um, The first thing I want you to be thinking about as we talk about a mindset for the spirit to work is that there's not a point where we're done with the spirit working. The spirit doesn't say, all right, this person's done. Check them off the list. Let's move on to the next person. Instead, it's a mindset of continual growth. And I'm going to show you what that looks like in more specifics, because as Paul goes on from this, he goes on to talk about each of the things that he wants them to remember. And the first thing Paul talks about is that they need to strive for sexual morality. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this disregards not man but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. So Paul begins his instruction to them by talking to them about how we need to abstain from sexual immorality. We need to strive for sexual morality. And this is, uh, it, I wish that we had hours so I could talk to you about the Greek here, because uh, one of the really interesting things is when Paul talks to other churches about this, it's usually a church where this is an issue, and he offers strong rebukes, he offers really strong commands. But in in the letter to the Thessalonians, Paul begins by just saying this in a very non-forceful way. He says, this is just what you need to do. And for this church, this is a church that Paul hasn't heard reports they're struggling with it. And so Paul is saying, believers, if you're not struggling with this, the first thing you need to do as you follow our commands and love God more and more and do his will is you need to stay sexually moral. You need to strive for sexual morality. It's something where falling away once is a really big problem. You need to not sin against your brothers in that way. You need to strive for a standard better than the Gentiles. And at the end, the, the final part of the command, uh, for God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this disregards not man, but God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. When Paul is talking about this, he's not saying, because this is my command. He's talking about the fact that if you're engaged in sexually immoral activities, you're disregarding God and you're disregarding his spirit. When when he says disregarding God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you, he's reminding them that if you want the spirit to be working in you, if you want to have the mindset where the spirit's going to work in you, it begins with sexual morality. And this, for some of you, you might be thinking, this is kind of a no-duh thing, Matt. We get that. But I want to encourage you, if you're someone that's doing well in this area, keep doing well. Strive for sexual morality. Strive to be pure in all situations. If you're someone that's struggling, if you're someone that's looking at pornography, or if you're someone who's engaged in acts you shouldn't be engaged in outside the marriage bed, stop. Now, Paul is so clear in this that you're not disregarding man. You're disregarding God. You're preventing his Holy Spirit from working in you. 
And so Paul starts when he's talking to them, the mindset for the spirit to work starts with striving for sexual morality. Paul goes on to talk about how we need to love with intentionality. Now, you're going to have to follow me on these because the, the, we're looking at units of thought. And so it's going to kind of jump around. But, but Paul goes from talking about striving for sexual morality to loving with intentionality. Now, concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that, indeed, is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more, and to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs, and to work with your hands as we instructed you, so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. So the first time I read this, I thought we were talking about two different ideas here. At the, at the start, he's talking about brotherly love and about you're, you're already loving each other well. And then at the end, he's talking about working. Um, but, but Paul is talking here about loving intentionally. It's one thought unit. What Paul's trying to talk about here is when we're talking about brotherly love, it's like Adelphi um, in the Greek, but it's a love of how you support your brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and so this type of love that Paul's talking about is when someone's in a crisis, when, when they're in financial crisis, when they need emotional support and whatever they need, when they're in a crisis, you guys are already doing so well. You're supporting them well. You're loving them well. Do it more and more. Love them really well. But that, that second part, the but we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more and to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands. Um, Paul starts off talking about how you need to keep, uh, you're doing well, you're loving each other, and now he's pushing them towards loving with intentionality. You see, for the, for the church at that time, uh, if someone was struggling financially, there were people at that church that were very well off that would have supported them. And one of the issues that we'll see in Second Thessalonians that the church has is the fact, we're not going to go into Second Thessalonians today, but um, in Second Thessalonians, the, the church begins to have trouble where people are just exploiting that gift. They're, they're being helped, and so they're just staying put, and they're saying, all right, this person's just going to support me. And Paul is warning against this here. When Paul talks about brotherly love, he sees it, and this love with intentionality, he sees it as something where when someone's in a crisis, the first thing you do is you support them. You keep them from falling. And the next thing you do is help them get back on their feet and get back to the point where they can work with their hands, where they can do it on their own again. And so Paul has this mindset when someone's struggling with something emotionally, when they're having a crisis, step one is to hear them out, is to love them, to support them. And step two is you need to start helping them walk towards growth. You, as you're doing this, I, I want to be careful as I talk about this because I don't want anyone here to hear that I'm saying don't give or don't help others but especially if if someone is unable to help like if a widow or an orphan or somebody is disabled or someone has a work injury where they're no longer able to help our church should support them continually but but when someone is able to work with their hands and is able to do what they need to do paul would say help them get back on their feet help them support so the next time someone else has a crisis they can be part of that process they can be part of holding someone up we need to love with intentionality after the loving with intentionality uh, paul begins to talk about we need to look to eternity but we do not want you to be uninformed brothers about those who are asleep that you may not grieve as, as others do who have no hope for since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring him those who have fallen asleep. 
For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be together with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. We need to be looking to eternity. And this, this part, a lot of commentators speculate and scholars speculate that maybe the church had been struggling with people who had died um, and they weren't sure what was going to happen. But, but most scholars agree that, well, that's probably not the case here. Because um, if Paul would have communicated anything of his gospel message to them, it would have been the fact that they will spend eternity with Christ. And, and those who pass on, they pass on to eternity with Christ. And so I don't think that's what he's talking about as I study this passage. But what I think he's talking about is a mindset that we need to encourage in our people. Um, we need to be thinking about the fact that the in the end of all of this is we're going to be in heaven with Christ. That, that means that if you're somebody, if you're focused on your legacy, if you're worried about what am I going to leave my children, I don't think it's wrong to worry about those things. But is your ultimate goal to, for, for parents to leave your children with possessions or is it to show them that eternal mindset that, that what we have here does not matter nearly as much as what's coming? And, and this is something, as I process it, um, I talked to a young man this week who had recently, one of his friends had passed away, and it was kind of a shocking thing. He was a younger guy. And um, as we were talking, what, the first question I asked him was, well, was he a believer? And then I felt kind of cheap about asking him that, because for a second I was like, well, am I like diminishing it to, well, is he a believer or not? And then as I was reading through this and studying this, one of the things that comes out is, well, that should be the most important thing there. Right? Like if, if someone passes away, like if they're a believer, we should rejoice in that from the moment it happens. That's a good thing. And, and more as we're looking to eternity, this isn't just for people who have passed on. Uh, this is a mindset that can affect us in relationships right now. This is my friend Marco. Uh, Marco is an Italian guy. And uh, when I first started at Moody, he started at the same time. And Right now I'm faced with the reality that at some point he's going to return to Italy. And it's really hard for me. I get really sad when I think about it. I, we used to have every class together, and now we see him like, we're going to see him today, which is exciting. But uh, we see him, you know, once every couple weeks or maybe once every month. And the reality is, is coming up here pretty quick, we're not going to really see each other in person anymore. We're not going to play basketball. We're not going to talk. We're not going to be around each other because the Lord has called him to Italy. And the Lord has called him and his wife there. And so I'm not going to see him. But the reality is, is if I'm thinking with an eternal mindset, if I'm looking to eternity, this lifetime is so much shorter than that. And when we're in heaven someday, we're probably going to be able to hang out. So I'm, I'm very excited about that. So I want to encourage you with that, that there are people that come into our lives that then move on. But if we have an eternal mindset, it shouldn't really phase us nearly as much. It, should, it can still be hard but we should say, well, someday we're going to be praising together in heaven. And that's a pretty good thing. The next thing that Paul talks about um, is he goes on to talk about the fact that we are at war. We need to recognize we are at war. Now, concerning the times and seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. 
While people are saying there's peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will, have, and they will not escape. So I'm going to keep reading the scripture in a moment, um, but I want to stop and talk about peace and security. Um, when, when, ta- when Paul's talking about peace and security, um, this isn't the peace of God. This isn't security that comes from the cross. This is, uh, it's, actually, it's called a hapex legomenon, or legomena, because it's a plural. That's very hard to say, so I... But uh, peace and security, it's, these are two words that Paul doesn't use anywhere else in Scripture in the way that he uses them in the Greek here. And the, the reason that Paul uses these words, the reason that he uses these words for peace and security here, is because this is not the peace and security that comes from God. This would have been the peace and security of the Roman Empire. You see, people in the Thessalonian church or in that region, the region of Macedonia, they, they would have been under the impression that nothing bad's going to happen. The Roman Empire is too powerful, and where we're at, we have been blessed. We have security because of that. We have peace. Our lives aren't going to be upset because of that. But, but Paul is trying to tell them here that, that he's doing this contrast of um, the, the you know that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in night, but other people don't realize that at all. And they think that we can have peace on this earth. And they think that we can have security on this earth. And they don't expect anything to happen. But Paul is saying that that peace and security that they're counting on, that they're putting their faith in, will be destroyed suddenly. Because we're, we can't have peace and security on this earth in this lifetime. That won't happen till the coming of the Lord. But Paul goes on to say, But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or the darkness. So then, let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God, does not, God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. So the imagery that Paul puts in here when he talks about the fact that we need to recognize we are at war is he talks about the fact that we need to wear that breastplate of love and faith and that helmet of the hope of salvation. He's giving them the imagery of people who think they have peace and security. They're going to get drunk. They're going to sleep. They're going to relax. But we need to not have that mindset. We need to have the mindset of we're in battle. We're at war. We're in a world that will not have peace until the second coming of Christ. And we need that mindset. And, and when we don't have that mindset, we, we can start to get comfortable with how things are going in the world. And we can start to think, well, things are going to get better. I think about the upcoming election a lot. I think some of you probably do. I heard a news report that said that Labor Day weekend, everything so far, it's been like a, a quiet before the storm since the convention. And we're about to have like an explosion of political ads and stuff. And I'm shocked because I feel like it hasn't stopped at all. But um, the, the peace and security that comes from this election is what Paul is talking about. No matter who's elected here, it's, it's not going to just magically bring Christ to the earth. It's not going to bring about the kind of peace that will come someday. And as believers, we need to be thinking that way. We need, in our local politics, I think we need to be engaged and involved. But at the same time, we need to have the mindset that what we're doing here is not the war we should be fighting ultimately because the battle going on in this world is not just one of a right 
political party, a right political system. It's, it's a battle that's so much deeper than that. It's a battle that really can't be fixed until Jesus comes again. And so we need to recognize we are at war and we need to have that mentality. When we wake up in the morning, we need to think that the evil one has a plan and he, he is after us and we need to be thinking about God and the plan that he has for us. And we need to have that mindset of spirit. Help me today. We're at war. The, the last thing we're going to talk about, and I, I want to review real quick. Uh, we need to, if we want to have a mindset for the spirit to work, we need to strive for sexual morality. We need to love with intentionality. We need to look to eternity. We need to recognize we are at war. These are all things that we can't do and finish and then be like, all right, I can check that one off for my lifetime. These are all things that we have to do continually. If you're doing any of these things and tomorrow you quit doing them, that's really bad. So we need to be continually working at it and we need to have that mindset spirit. Help us see this more and more. If, if I'm living a sexually moral life, help me be more and more pure. If I'm loving with intentionality, if I'm already, if I'm loving in a way that helps others grow, help me to do that even more. Help me to love. Give me those opportunities to love in ways that will help others grow. Help others hear your spirit working in them. Uh, Help me to think about eternity. Help me in everything I'm doing to think about the eternal implications and the fact that someday I'll be with you. Help me to encourage others with that. And help me to remember that we're at war. We we all need to remember that and we need to encourage each other in that. When, When we face hardship, we need to remind each other, well, there's a battle going on. And we need to encourage each other in that and encourage each other in that ultimate destiny. The last thing we need to talk about, and this is where Paul finishes. Um, So through these four things, there's been a total of like four commands in the biblical text. Um, And and all of a sudden we get to this fifth fifth one uh, and it's commit to our community. And Paul all of a sudden goes from saying like a command here and there to just like a, it's like a machine gun. He's just like pop, 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 pop of commands. It's a, and he says, we need to commit to our community. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Before I go on, I want to tell you that this is a mindset that we all need to have in this building. We, we need to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish, and that means teach you. And, and we need to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. I, I feel so much love from all of you, and I feel very respected, and I thank you for that. And I want to encourage you to do that more and more with me and with Rich and with Dan, with our elders, with those who are over you if, in small groups, and just whatever situation you're in, I want to encourage you that one of the best things we can do for our community is we can respect the leadership. Because that's a mindset that says, I know that the Holy Spirit is working in them. And, and what they are trying to do is something that where I count on the Spirit is revealing to them. And, and we need to be at peace among ourselves. We, we need that so much. One of the things that when, when a church is at peace, when we're able to work alongside each other and when we're able to grow together and we have a united vision, that is the most important thing we can do. Because then when other people see that, they say, I want to be a part of that. And the spirit works so much better when we're at peace with each other. And, and Paul goes on to say, and we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint hearted, help the weak. 
and be patient with them all. That be patient with them all covers the teach the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak. Paul, Paul is saying for those who are above you, you need to respect and esteem them in love. For those that you can help, for those that are coming to you for help, you need to help them with patience and you need to help them where they're at. And so in our community, we need to value each other well. And See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good for one another and to everyone. Uh, when I read that, the thing that comes to mind, um, Jess and I have had a really stressful couple weeks just because there's been a lot on our plate. And uh, when I get stressed out and have a lot going on, I generally speak very shortly with Jess and kind of, eh. Um, because I, if she asks me questions, I'm like, I don't know. I just do it. And it's very poor of me. It's evil. Um, and, and I'm not here to tell you do what I do, but I'm here to tell you just in these last two weeks has been so amazing. Um, the spirit this morning was just stirring in my heart about, wow, the way you treated her was evil, but she's continually repay, repaid it with good. Today she ground up my coffee beans. She tied my bow tie for me. She's been encouraging me. She's been loving me. And just all of the little things. But she has repaid evil with good in a way that I, I apologized to her right before coming up here. And I, I just think about that, though, that example of in any situation where someone treats you poorly, where they treat you with evil intentions, how do you make them good? And that's a mindset we need to have because we want to say, Spirit, be working in this. We don't want to be saying, I want to respond with my evil thoughts. We want the Spirit to be working. We want that mindset. And this passage finishes off, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. That first part, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. Um, those are things you can never do well enough, I don't think. I've never done any of those things well enough to say, all right, I'm done with those. Those are things we have to continually be doing while we're on this earth. And this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Um, if you'll remember when we started, God, or Paul talked about for we need to abstain from sexual immorality because that's the will of God, our sanctification. And now he comes back to, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And it's in this community context, committing to our community, that he says, do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. And so in our relationships here, when he's talking about quenching the spirit, first off, um, an interesting thing I found this week, a lot of people think quenching because of Gatorade is satisfying. Um, but quenching is a negative thing. It's like destruction. So when Gatorade says it's a thirst quencher, it's a thirst destroyer. It's like a eliminator. I just want to make sure we start there so you're not thinking, do not satisfy the spirit, um, because that's not what it says. But um, when we get to this final part, Paul is talking about this in a communal way, in a mindset way, that, that you can't be quenching the Spirit. When, when I get up here and speak, I hope you respect me. I hope you esteem me. The same with Rich, the same with Dan. Because if you are quenching the Spirit, if you're not respecting, if you're not loving each, of, each other, if you're repaying good with evil or evil with evil, you're not allowing the Spirit to be at work. You're blocking the Spirit's work. You're quenching the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies. In this context, I think prophecies would be those who are hearing the Spirit in them and are teaching, or those who are in your lives, in your small group, those who are trying to encourage you. Do not despise that. Hold on to the good. But test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. This mindset for the Spirit work, it starts with striving for sexual morality. We need to be pure. It, it can, and this is a mindset. We can't say, well, I'm going to be pure today, but tomorrow, oh well. It's something we should continually grow in. This is all more and more. We need to love with intentionality more and more. 
We need to look to eternity more and more. We need to encourage each other with that. We need to recognize we are at war and again, encourage each other, build each other up with that. And finally, we need to commit to our community. We, we need to do this more and more. Our, our community is not something that, our, as the church, if we want the Spirit to be working in us, if we want that mindset to be working, we need to count on the fact that if God has placed us here and placed leaders over us and placed us in the positions that He's placed us in, our community has the opportunity for growth and we can grow here because the Spirit can work wherever we're at. And, and so I, I encourage you this week, I, these are all things that we should continually be doing. And I want to encourage you, especially as you're reading, that maybe read through First Thessalonians again this week. I love reading through this letter. Um, it ends with some really good encouragement as well, and I'll read a little bit of it. But I want to encourage you that a mindset for the Spirit to work, all of these things are continual things. Paul, when he's talking to a church that is doing everything well, Paul's encouragement to them is be lifelong, or in your life, in your be lifelong transform followers of Christ. But elsewhere in Scripture, he talks about how we need to have the transforming and the renewing of our mind. And Paul here is telling these believers who are doing well, don't stop. Keep going. Keep growing. I know Dan's been talking about we're in a new chapter as a church and we're growing and we're moving towards revitalization. And I want to encourage all of you that whether you've been here a week, a month, whether you've been a believer that long, or whether you've been a believer or you've been here since it started, since they're meeting in a high school, that one of the best things that you can do to help Springwood grow and to help the kingdom of God in this area is we can have this mindset for the Spirit to work. We can count on the fact that the Spirit will work if we're seeking Him out in this way. Let's pray. Uh, dear Father, we thank You for this day. We thank You for the Spirit You've given us. We thank You for just Your graciousness, for, for the gift of Your Son. Um, we thank You that we'll spend eternity with You. Um, Father, I pray for our sexual purity as a church. I pray for those that are struggling with it, Father, that um, your spirit would just be active in their lives, that those around them would be able to challenge them and build them up. I pray that we would be a church that loves intentionally, that helps people when they're struggling and then helps them get back on their feet after. I, I pray, Father, that we would be a church that would look to the, our, our destiny, Father, with you, look to our eternity. And, and I pray, Father, we would be a people that would recognize we are at war and that in that mindset, Father, that we would be at work and we would allow the Spirit to be working in us and encouraging us and building each other up. And I pray that we would be building this community. We would commit to it, Father, and we would follow after you in the ways that you have asked us and that, that we would commit to see the Spirit work in our lives and in our community. We thank you for who you are and for the gift of your Son. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, I promised you guys at the start um, some more information on the parade float. Um, if our ushers want to come up for the offering, um, I've got some pictures here. So, so first off, I, he comes to the second service, I think, but Phil Gannison has been like our lead, and he has done an amazing job. That's Phil and Haley there. And um, this is our float. That's Tom Sabrava in the, or or the neon there. Tom provided us with the float, or the the trailer. And um, those two guys, if you stop by the church on Thursday or Friday, they were here like 16 hours over the course of the two days. I think Phil might have been here longer, but I didn't get up at the same time he did. Um, but we also, we had a bunch of students help. And uh, we we had a lot of Oompa Loompas, and I think that was one of the highlights of the parade. I loved hearing the kids sing Oompa Loompas. Um, and by the way, for trunk or treat, we need 35 more of these. So 
keep that in mind. We're looking for more. Um, but here's our full cast. Um, we went out to Sunset Fest yesterday, and we were like the third to last float because we turned in everything so late because we weren't sure we were going to have a trailer, and the Lord just brought this all about. Um, and it was really cool to see. There, there we are in action. Um, and Lori and Dan came. I think I've got There's Lori. Um, Dan's out there, too. Uh, we passed out over 800 flyers. Um, to the community just about our fall or trunk or treat and some movie nights that we have coming up. And it was just an amazing time. Um, I was so proud of our church. And so I, I wanted to have the chance to share that with you. And as you're, as we're passing the plate, I just want to encourage you, for those of you that are giving, this is something we were able to do because of it. And we had a lot of people that were excited about Springbrook and saying, that that's a church doing that? And so there's our whole cast there. So it was a really amazing day. So... Uh, So thank you for your giving and also just for our community being so awesome.